For marketing agencies and social media managers looking to prove the value of their work, I've got something special for you. Agora Pulse is not only Social Media Examiner's tool of choice as an all-in-one social media management tool, it also allows you to track the traffic, conversion, and revenue from every social post, comment, and private message. Learn how to prove your social media ROI with a free training or a free trial by visiting agorapulse.com SME today. Again, agorapulse.com SME. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm excited about today's show. Today, I'll be joined by Gary Vaynerchuk, author of multiple books, and his latest one is called Jab, 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 Right Hook. We're going to explore how to use story as a social strategy. I'll also answer a caller question about managing passwords for multiple social media accounts. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and answer that question right now. Fresh off the jungle trail, here's this week's social question. Hi. My name is Doug, and I am starting a social media strategy company helping small businesses in the Orlando, Florida area. My question is, what is the most effective way to manage usernames, passwords, and logins for my clients? Hey, Doug, thank you so much for your question. Um, First of all, the good news is, for the most part, there's really no need for your clients to give away their passwords, their coveted passwords to all their social media accounts for you to manage them. For example, uh, setting up a Facebook page or a LinkedIn account or a Google Plus account, all three of these social networks allow you to add administrators to those accounts. So let's just assume that one of your clients already has a Facebook, LinkedIn, and Google Plus page. It's just a matter of them uh, adding you as an administrator to their account, and that will allow you to do all the things that you would want to do to socially manage their account. Now with Twitter, it's a little bit different of a situation. Uh, With Twitter, you're going to need some sort of a management app like Social Oomph or Hootsuite, where within the app, you can delegate uh, control. For example, at Social Media Examiner, we've got, we use Social Oomph, and we've got multiple people that are managing our Social Media Examiner account, and uh, although I'm the one that primarily owns it, and I don't need to give them my my username and password in order for them to, to do that. And Twitter doesn't really make it easy for multiple people to manage their account because they pretty much have a single email address tied to every single account. Now, there might be something new that I'm not aware of, but that's the way my understanding of it is. Now, with Pinterest, I also do not think they have as uh, robust of of a management strategy. In that particular case, we have someone managing our Pinterest account for My Kids Adventures, and I had to give her our username and ID in order to do it. So there is a circumstance where I did need to share it. Now, here's what I recommend. If you are in a circumstance where you need to share uh, or a client needs to share with you a ID and password to one of the social networks, um, I strongly mandate the following. If you're the client and you have someone managing your accounts, I would require whoever's managing the account to use a password, secure password management tool. For example, 1Password. 
the number one password. I would, I would insist that folks do not use their web browser to store IDs and passwords. And the reason being is because most people are mobile. And if your laptop gets stolen and for whatever reason someone knows what they're doing, they could very easily pull up the web browser and essentially take over the account, which is not what you want to have happen. So folks, if you're listening right now and you have given away your ID and password, I strongly recommend you change your ID and password and mandate that all that are required that are logging in with an ID and a password, that it is a shared ID and password, have some sort of a robust storage, uh, password storage system like 1Password, which works great across every platform that's out there. Now, if you're listening to this podcast and you've got a question you want to have considered for a future podcast, it's very easy. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash voicemail and you'll be prompted to leave your question. And if I like it, I may include it in a future episode. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. And with that, let's transition over to today's interview with Gary Vaynerchuk. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. Today I'm joined by Gary Vaynerchuk. If you don't know who Gary is, he's the author of the books Crush It and The Thank You Economy. He's also the CEO of VaynerMedia. His newest book is Jab, 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 Right Hook, How to Tell Your Story in a Noisy World. Gary, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So today, Gary and I are going to explore how social media marketers can use stories to help sell. Speaking of stories, Gary, tell me, what's the story behind this latest book? How'd you come up with the idea? That's a good question. Um, I I had this epiphany that I might have let down people by um, over-indexing on the thank you economy, my last book, which was a really big hit, and I was getting a lot of emails, but I was noticing that, wait a minute, I'm not so sure that they understand that giving and giving and giving is great, but if you're in business, at some point you eventually have to ask, right? And so jab, 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 right hook stands for give, 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 ask, right? Give value, put out value, and that entitles you then to actually um, actually have a shot of putting out good, uh, a good call to action to do business. And so that's, um, that's, kind, of where, um, that's kind of where I'm at. This book was, I, I was on a flight flying home and it just hit me like, wait a minute, the best social media people don't know how to ask for business. And the worst ones are only asking for business. Let me put out a book that talks about all this and let me put out a book that actually looks at the individual pieces of content um, and, and really look at them as a case study. And so I wanted to make this book a utility because I was very affected by books that just talk about why and I wanted to write a how-to. Awesome. So um, how'd you come up with the boxing metaphor, just out of curiosity? Well, that's a good question, and thanks for asking it. I'm shocked how many people haven't asked, and there's a really good one on it. I came up with it because I'm a big boxing fan, and I, uh, I love boxing because most people look at it as boring and not as good as UFC, and other people look at it as barbaric. Meanwhile, the people that love it the most look at it as the sweet science, right? And I think when it comes to social media, a lot of people look at it as huckster, bullcrap, you know, black magic, snake oil, or they don't understand it. And I look at it as, you know, a science. Like I know everything I talk about in this book teaches people how to do it. 
and, and examples. And so I look at social media as a science. It's the crossroads of analytics and creative. So the metaphor really made sense to me. So what can boxing teach us about social media in general, in your opinion? Let's dig a, um, let's dig a little deeper. Like what is that sweet science you're talking about? It's the crossroads of analytics and creative to create business results. So there's a lot of people listening now and I'm very fond and aware of your guys' site and the people that follow it. And um, I know a lot of people that are gonna be listening to this right now. They think, I wanna be respectful here. They're social media pundits, experts, and I respect them, but I've, I feel like a lot of people have not put in the work to look at the analytical data. Like what time to post a Facebook post? How many letters? Do you need a primary color in the bottom left? What do you need to be doing on Twitter? Like what hashtag usage are you really using? How do you respond? You know, what kind of infographic actually works on Pinterest? You know, what time would you post an animated GIF around cereal? Just the data-driven aspects of the creative that I think a lot of people haven't put in the time and effort that I didn't either until I started VaynerMedia where I have seven analysts doing this full time and I have a much deeper insight to the black and white. On the flip side, there's a lot of people listening that it's all quant and it's all algorithmic and they are underestimating the value of the human touch and creative. And so it's, it's, um, that's the science, this beautiful crossroads of the two. Why do you think that so many of us that are social media marketers um, don't bother to, to, to think deeper and to look at the analytics? Do you think it's because the rate at which everything is changing, it's impossible to keep up and we're just trying to survive? And do you think, or do you think it's something else? I'm just curious. Yeah, I, I think it's it's that we just don't have enough bandwidth, right? Like until I had a big company with these people doing it full time, I didn't do it either. And so, you know, yeah, I think there's a little bit of like just trying to survive and whether it's speaking or consulting or selling content or whatever one does that's listening right now, you know, you're grinding and you don't have the time to, or the dollars to sit down and do it at this level. Now on the flip side, that doesn't mean that that's right. And so as I've embarked into a bigger, better, stronger version of who I am and who I was, I wanted to share that IP to make everybody else better. I've, I've had a lot of pride in being one of the early people in this stuff, and I don't want to let down anybody who's on this call and listening and trans, or the transcription of this. Like, I want to continue to be a pioneer, continue to push it, continue to be the smartest guy in the room if I can help it. And, um, and I think that time and money is why a lot of people haven't been able to dig as deep as I have. And, you know, I'm fortunate and you know, I took a couple of years off and put my head down and built a company, which has now given me the IP and the intellect to be able to come out with this. So what do you want to say to the people listening right now that may not have the resources that you have? What are some simple things that they can do to begin at least barely stepping onto this on-ramp of data to, to test, you know, what works and what doesn't? What are, what are some of your thoughts there? Only one, because I know who they are, because I'm one of them. Use Facebook Analytics deeper. It's a great tool. It has a ton of data. Spend more time on it. That's the most practical piece of advice. Think about and test what you're putting out on Facebook, on your fan page. Think about and test what you're putting out on Twitter. Start really giving it thought. I mean, you know. And don't do do, do what everyone else is doing just because everyone else is doing it, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, one of the biggest things is I don't tend to read or listen to a lot of the great stuff that you guys put out and other your competitors do because I'm so obsessed with being singularly different, right? And not getting caught up in the same old thing. And the only way I know how to do that is to isolate myself into actually doing versus consuming. 
Well, not only that, but I would imagine every audience is different, right? What works for company X may not work for company Y unless you know based on the data. That's correct. The one thing, though, that everybody ends up at is needing something to happen. And what a lot of my thinking is based on, and when people go through the book and go through the case studies, they'll realize, is a lot of it's predicated on conversion to whatever your ask is. Gotcha. So um, clearly one of the big traps that marketers are making when it comes to social media is not actually analyzing what they're doing to make sure that it's working. Are there any other big mistakes that kind of make you frustrated that you wish people would stop doing when it comes to social media marketing? I, you know, I don't want to sit on a, on a mountain and, and preach down. I would say that one thing that we all need to be careful of is, you know, and listen, I'm the most showman of them all on stage is, you know, backing up the hyperbole matters, right? I think the reason I can get away with a lot of stuff is I've built a $60 million wine business. You know, VaynerMedia is a hefty eight-figure business already. I've taken it from 25 to 300 people. Execution matters. And I think that there's a lot of people, a lot of my contemporaries, a lot of the people on this call who the back channel whispers are, well, they've never done it, right? And so I think more doing would really help a lot of people. I would say have self-awareness. Like I understand why some people don't like me right away because I'm a very aggressive and and, um, extroverted on stage. And so... I would say having more respect for people's points of view and then doing more. Both of those things I think would really matter. The subtitle of your book is How to Tell Your Story in a Noisy World. And clearly storytelling is a key part of the equation here. I'd love to explore with you a little bit. Can, can you talk about why is storytelling so important for marketers? And maybe can you give some tips on, on, on how to do it well? You know, I think that, uh, I think that storytelling matters because it's what we're left with. You know, we like we know like Cinderella and and Jack and the Beanstalk and, and Nemo. <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, right? And like and the Macho Man Randy Savage and actors and actresses and you know Wayne's World. I mean, stories and music, stories. Like I like music because of the lyrics, not because of the music. Stories. Um, they're the most powerful, everlasting. They're 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 what turns a commodity into a business, right? And so uh, I would tell you that it just matters more than anything else. It's brand equity. It's why we buy Nikes. It's why we buy Apple products. It's why we're starting to buy Samsung products. It's, it's why fashion works. It's what cool is about. It's your sense and place in the world. It's stories. And so, you know, and to me, the way to really do it is contextually. And that's why I have a lot of passion for this book. It's why I did 86 case studies. I didn't want to rant on my POV anymore. I wanted to show people individual pieces of content that did a good job and a bad job. My biggest goal is that this new book literally sits by everybody's desk and becomes a referral kind of utility as people try to put out content. Well, Gary, I mean, you know, I, I've been watching you for a while and story was clearly part of your rise, right? I mean, your story was, and you've kind of alluded to it, right? This, this, uh, this guy who helped turn around a wine company. I mean, I mean, that's, that's the short version of it, but that story took you a very, very long way. And I mean, that's just the part, that's just the beginning of it. You took it the rest of the way, but isn't, isn't your story been part of the reason why you are as successful as you are today? Yeah, I mean, listen, there's a lot of people on this call now that are fans of mine, and they all fast forward the first 10 minutes of every keynote that I put online because they don't want to hear about the lemonade stands and baseball cards and turn around, and, and, and not turn around, the right. acceleration of the great business my dad started. So, you know, yeah, I, you know, 
Michael, you know this. I, I don't know if you've ever seen me speak live, Mike, but you know, like I will always start with my personal story because it contextualizes everything else that I have that comes out of my mouth. So let's talk about, I mean, I think everybody innately knows that storytelling is so, so important. The real question I think in a lot of people's minds is how in the world do you tell a story with social media? Can you give me some examples of maybe what you've done for your own brand or for some of your clients, just so people can kind of wrap their mind around it? Because in this medium, it's easy to tell a story because we've got time on our hands. You know, we're, we're, we're actually using the medium that makes it very easy to tell a story. But with social media, it, it seems to be a little bit harder. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I don't think so. I would tell you that all the people that know me and all the stuff you know, it's all been, I've only story told on social media, right? So that's number one. Well, if we count video, number yeah, two, for sure. Yeah, and, and I would say that video, you're right. And like, listen, social, I think that's a very valid point and a good job by you. So thanks for jumping in there. Like putting out content in different places, whether it's social networks or blogging or video blogging, it's content, right? It's not about where you put it. It's putting out content that's contextual to the platform. I was really good at YouTube, I figured it out. Then I was really good at Twitter, I figured it out. Both of those were 06 and 07 and 08. That's why I became me. Two platforms came out, they became two very important platforms and I knew how to storytell on them. So, and then you look at the work that, you know, there was a big article in the New York Times about VaynerMedia and me this last Sunday. Talks about the I work saw it, done congratulations, it was awesome. Thank you, thank you. You know, it talks a lot about, you know, um, Nilla, right? A, a, a wafer crack, uh, cracker brand that we've grown exponentially in their business results. And all that content's being done on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So this stuff is working. Um, it matters. It can be done. I think there's a ton of success stories out there. A lot of people have leveraged social. I, you know, I think how you do it is based on the platform. If you're good at witty, smart, quick content, Twitter's gonna work for you. If you're great at taking pictures, Instagram's got a shot. If you know how to make infographics, Pinterest matters. If you're good at animated GIFs, Tumblr matters. So it's about getting good at respecting the context of the platform where you tell the story. For some people right now that might think, you know, I got a really boring product. (laughs) like Nilla wafers. <laughs> and I, I don't know how in the world I could possibly tell a story. Like, where do you recommend they start? I mean, when you're talking to clients or new clients and you're trying to get at the story, what are some of the questions that you ask? And what are some of the questions people might want to ask themselves to try to get at their story? You know, I, I think one thing that a lot of people should think about is if you treat your business or your product and you humanize it, and then you ask what the hobbies are of that person, it starts getting interesting, right? So, my hobbies are football and wine and root beer and social media. But if you just looked at me as a person, there'd be nothing else. So if you can humanize your brand, you know, Nilla's is about momisms and recipes and, 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 you know, those kind of things. And so I would tell people to, you know, if you're a SaaS product, why not start putting out content around skiing? Because a lot of your current clients or potential clients care about skiing. And so it's about pushing the envelope and getting creative and being a good storyteller is not easy. Not everybody can do it. Um, and we need to recognize, we need to find the, the, uh, uh, you know, the, the most talented people at it. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, one, you, you talk about a lot of, um, aspects of storytelling that it needs to be native, that it doesn't interrupt, that it doesn't make demands, that it leverages pop culture. Um, one of the things you say is that it's micro. Can you explain a little bit about what you mean by micro when it comes to storytelling? What is micro in your mind? Fast. 
You know, if everybody right now thought about how they consume Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, Tumblr, Instagram, it's on their mobile device and they swipe their finger and the stuff just flies by their screen. And to me, it's how do you put out content that will capture somebody's attention in that hundredth of a second? So fast is what I'm talking about. And lightweight, we're not talking about 10 minute hour movies. We're talking about, you know, memes and animated GIFs and vines. So is the idea here to, to pick, to somehow, what I hear you saying so far is figure out a way to humanize whatever it is you've got, whether it be a cookie or whether it be some sort of online service or whatever. Or yourself, right? Yeah, good point. I mean, there's a lot of people out here who are social media experts who don't do the right things with their brand. All they're doing is pushing and trying to sell an ebook or a course, and they're not doing themselves any favors. So once you, once you figure out a way to humanize whatever it is you've got to sell, um, how might you apply that at a micro level? I mean, is it just a matter of uh, continuing the story, so to speak? Um, I'm sorry. We're talking well, about you know, posters. we're talking about storytelling here, right? So like, yeah. how, and we're talking about doing it in a micro way, right? Which is just, just these little fast things. So some people might be grappling in their mind. How do I do that? Is it like little pieces of the story that I'm revealing over time? For example, with the Nilla wafer, or is it something else? I'm, I'm kind of struggling a little bit with how to tell a story really, really quickly. Do you have to come up with different stories or is it really just kind of an ongoing story? You know, I think it's both. And I think it's also... DJing the story that you've got going on. So <clears throat> stories can be defined in so many ways, but and it's all subjective. But ultimately, what I'm talking about is, you know, I may tweet about a quote from a business talk or put out a wine recommendation. There's just so many ways you can go. Um, I would just say to be real and to talk a lot about what you bring to the table, talking about your value proposition, those kind of things. You've got this formula in the book that... Uh says micro content plus community management equals effective social media marketing. So talk to me about the plus community management component. What do you mean about that? My proudest aspect of who I am in this space is that 90% of my tweets are at replies. So what you're really saying is don't just throw it out there. <laughs> Engage. That's really what you're saying, right? And Michael, listen, you're very close to this space and I know you're interviewing me, but I want to like flip the switch on this. You know how, you know me, you know the space super well. You know there's, even of the top 50 people that are respected, a, a lot of that percentage aren't actually engaging or giving a crap about their audience. It's true. And it's not just, it's not just amongst the social media, quote unquote, it's pros. World. It's every company that's out there. I mean, I think a lot of people just... I hate to say it, but it's old-fashioned broadcasting. 100%. And the reason I get upset specifically in the social media space is you literally see hypocrisy at scale. Literally, people that go to conferences and talk about engagement and then don't actually do it. It's bonkers. I mean, I personally manage our Twitter account and I'm the one that replies to everyone, you know, which may surprise people, but, you know, that's what I do. And you can't reply to everybody, but... Um, I know this, this is really, it sounds so ludicrously simple, but it is a little complicated to execute sometimes because it requires you to kind of have a lot of balls in the air and track everything that's going on. How do you recommend people, people manage that? Do it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, you know, Michael, I mean, like, yeah, I hear you. Answer, you right? gotta have, you gotta have people Listen, to do it. You gotta have time. You gotta you commit to it. I'm, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be audacious. Nobody on this call listening is busier than me. You can be tied 
You could be tied, but I'm working 18 hours a day straight to the face. And I'm running multiply big companies and investing and speaking and writing books and doing media. And, and I find time to do it. So if I'm doing it, you can do it. How, okay, let's talk about that. You got any tricks or tips that you, I mean, how do you do it? Do you, do you find it, do you do it? I in prioritize the- it. I, when I go take a piss, I, <laughs> I take out my phone, look at Twitter, see 30 people reply to me and try to reply to for as many as I can. You know, like, like when I'm taking the cab to work, those seven minutes, like I prioritize, I choose engagement over consumption or entertainment. Now, not everybody obviously can do it across every single platform. Are you finding that Twitter is your primary one? Are you doing it on absolutely. Facebook? Yeah, Ab- okay. Yes, absolutely. Twitter is the one true social network. Why do you say that? I'm curious. Because the other platforms are much more structured for you to push out content more so than Twitter where between search and searching your own handle, who's talking to you, there's just such more of a cocktail party mentality. It's the one true social network. It's the one place where it is equally weighted for listening and talking where the other ones are weighted towards talking. Talk to me about the value of a reply. What have you experienced? You're out there and you're talking to a lot of people. Do people come up to you? It's the reason you're interviewing me right now. Yeah, well, that's a good point. My relevance is the reply. I mean, it shows that you're human, right? And it and it's shocking, right? Because here you got a million followers and you're applying to one person. I mean, that's a, that's an investment, but um, that's awesome. And listen, that you're it's, doing it. it's multitasking, right? Like I've replied to seven people on Twitter while we've done this phone interview. <laughs> it just happened. I mean, you could go look at it because my brain has gotten to a place where I can do both. That's like, awesome. You just start training yourself. Like I don't know. Like listen, I know how to get muscles, right? But <laughs> yeah. I don't put in the work to get it. Like I know exactly what to do to get a six pack. Yet I don't have one. Good point. And so and so when people talk about, well, how do you do it? Well, you know what to do, but you choose bowling or Xbox or Breaking Bad or drinks with your friends or something. You choose something over engagement. Okay, next question has to do with conversions and sales because I know that a big part of your book is not just doing this stuff willy-nilly but making sure it's actually driving conversions and sales. How do you, uh, what, what are your recommendations? How, how, you know, some of this stuff, some people in their mind might say, well, how does that, how's that trackable? What's your thoughts on that? Jab, 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 right hook. By engaging, 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 creating context. When I then go out and say, buy my book, people have been guilted slash, um, you know, uh, happy to slash, you know. They feel like uh, they owe you a little something, right? You know, Mike, I think they do. And it's very, you can look at this cynically, but at the end of the day, you know, again, it's fun to talk to you because I know how much you pay attention to the space. People can be cynical about me, but I continue to deliver. And if you continue to deliver, eventually you win that game. That's awesome. Um, Okay. There's a quote out of your book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, where you say, content is king, context is God, and then there's effort. Talk to me about the importance of effort. I think we just elaborated on that, right? That was the whole, you know, push-ups and sit-ups and, you know, if you don't put in the effort and don't put in the time, you, listen, again, a lot of people listening know exactly what to do. You know, people that be in other leaders put out the blueprint, but not everybody does it. And so if you don't put in the effort and you half-ass it, listen, I, 
I'm really stunned. I really have a lot of passion with the direction of this call because I want it to be a wake-up call to some of the other hundred top-followed people. Somebody's going to write an expose on the fact that you give this advice, but you don't do it yourself. It's going to happen. Do you think that a lot of people in this space um, feel like once they've earned their keep, they can kind of be the lazy king of the hill and let everyone else do the work? And are you advocating that that's part of the problem, perhaps? It's part of the opportunity for those leaders to separate themselves from the pact. And so, you know, this is already my biggest selling book on just pre-sale already. So I'm gaining momentum. I'm not losing steam. You know what I love about you, Gary? I love the fact that you roll up your sleeves and you are a hard worker. And I have such appreciation for that because there are so many people out there that are our friends and have written books, but honestly, um, don't believe in doing the hard work. And I think you are just an incredible success story. I hope you never lose your passion, man. And uh, I'm super excited about your book. Uh, I'm super excited about the message that you're trying to deliver here. And I hope everyone that's listening really gets it. If people want to go out and grab a copy of your book and learn more about you, and your book is called Jab, 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 Right Hook, where would you send them? First of all, before I do any promotion, because very honestly, I'm not even worried about that right now because I'm very aware of your wonderful media company and like who's listening. I appreciate you setting me up with five minutes to go. But Michael, first of all, I want to just thank you for that because very honestly, I'm appreciative because I know how much context you have for the whole space. And like, I really do want like people to recognize that hard work is the differentiator. It matters. It's, you know, you can be as charismatic or pretty or as brilliant as you want. Like execution matters. And so thanks for saying that because I take more pride in me working hard than me being smart. I really do. Well, you know what? I mean, um, (laughs) I grew up probably in a very similar kind of circumstance where I was trained to work my butt off. And this is why I have such a respect for farmers. You know, these guys Mm -hmm. work their butt off, man. And they're so underappreciated. And uh, the good news for those that are listening is you can work really, really, really hard. And, um, and you don't have to be the smartest guy in the world. I know I'm not. <laughs> I've just worked my butt off. Gary is a very smart guy, but he's worked his butt off. And you can be smart, but you also got to work hard. So, and Gary, you know what, Michael? For yeah. everybody who's listening, forget about the whole like who works smarter and harder and all this. But like, you know, I just want to pose a question in these final minutes. Doesn't it feel like working hard is in you're like in more control of that than other things? And listen, some people are born with DNA that doesn't allow them to be that. So I don't want to take it for granted, but it does feel out of all the variables out there, which is, you know, charisma and smarts and all these other things, for some reason, and I could be wrong, but for some reason, just working harder, like one more hour, like if everybody listening right now took 30 minutes every night and slept 30 minutes less and went on Twitter and engaged with people that cared about what they did, they'd be bigger. They'd be bigger in a year. They'd be bigger. They'd be able to sleep more (laughs) long term. I completely agree. Gary, um, I just want to say thank you for your time. I know it's valuable and I know that uh, we're doing this a little later than normal and you've got a family and you've got a big book launch coming up and um, folks just type in jab, 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 right hook on Google and they'll find this book everywhere. Right, Gary? For sure. And I appreciate that. And really at the end of the day, I live my motto. I'm As much as I'm aware, there's a lot of people listening that could buy the book. I'm here to create context and bring value. 
I don't need anybody to buy the book that's listening to this if I have not brought you value yet. And my intention in this interview was to bring value to everybody to start the process to maybe be humbly lucky enough to have people to consider to reciprocate that. Gary Vaynerchuk, I appreciate you, man. Thanks, brother. I wish you well. Well, I hope you got a lot out of that interview with Gary Vaynerchuk. Be sure to pick up his book. It's really awesome. I have a copy of it myself. Um, if you missed anything that we talked about or you want to get kind of the Cliff Notes version of everything that happened today, you can get the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 6969. A couple more things. If you are a regular listener to the podcast and you haven't already done so, I would love it if you do a rating and a review on iTunes. You can go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. And on Stitcher Radio, you can go to socialmediaexaminer.com slash Stitcher. Well, this brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll definitely be back with you next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates.